You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Blog Talk Radio. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Big Ten Powerhouse Podcast, number 17. Um, we have a pretty exciting podcast again, uh, a few few really cool guests. We have uh, Jake from Bucky's Fifth Quarter, and we are going to have Travis Miller from Hammer and Rails later on in the, the show. Um, so a couple things to look ahead as you're listening. Um, we're hoping to get into some talk, Wisconsin, maybe uh, Final Four chat, and uh some talk about Indiana-Purdue from last night, uh, the big rivalry game. <laughs> Purdue ended up coming out on top, but um was a pretty pretty entertaining game early, uh, even though it kind of got away from uh, Indiana there. However, um, we we have two games going on right now, but um, this is kind of the, the time that worked best <laughs> for us here. And uh, to, help, uh, to help get this thing started, we have uh, Josh from uh, – our staff here. Uh, Josh, how you doing? I'm good, Thomas. How are you? Uh, from Michigan, I can tell you that we won't be talking about Final Four, but uh, but I'm happy to be on and talk <laughs> about other things for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so obviously um, you currently attend Michigan, obviously a big Michigan fan. Um, why, why don't you give us the lowdown on the Wolverines right now? Sure. Um, so through nine conference games, Michigan sits at six and three. Um, actually, even before the season started, I think Michigan fans would have been really happy with that mark. Um, as everyone knows, Karis LeVert went down at the end of the Northwestern game with a really unfortunate foot injury. Um, so he's done for the year. But um, but what I love about this Michigan team, to be honest, is it's kind of a uh, a play by committee type thing where where John Bieland even said, I mean, during the Rutgers game, he played all eleven players. Um, that were on the roster. Austin Hatch is obviously not ready to play in any sort of game, but everyone else besides for Hatch got in, made a contribution. Um, and I think this team is just, they really love playing for one another. They love playing for D-line. And like I said, six and three right now, depending on the results of the um, Indiana, no, sorry, not Indiana, Ohio State, Maryland game, they could be tied for second by the end of the night. Um, so really, really a great mark. Um, they have nine conference games to go. A brutal stretch coming up starting on Sunday playing Michigan State. Um, but I think if this team can maybe win five or six games in conference and, and win a game in the Big Ten tournament, I think that they have to at least be in the, in the discussion for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, got a, I got a chance to see Michigan. Um, obviously, you know, I'm also a, I'm a Michigan alum myself, so obviously I'll watch every game. But uh, I got a chance to see them uh, on last Saturday against Wisconsin. Um, first off, great game. Obviously ended a little rough for uh, Wolverine fans, but um, great environment. And uh, the, the defense is I, – I wrote an article earlier, earlier this week, but the defenses Beeline was dialing up were just uh, incredible when he sat back and you were just like, wow, he is – he's just a great X's and O's coach. I, I don't think there's any doubt there. Um, but uh, but stepping back a little bit towards the the conference, um, first off, I don't, I don't know if we've had you on uh, since the – since the season started here, or at least early on, um, what, are, what are your perceptions on the conference so far? And um, maybe a, a few thoughts on uh, maybe some surprises, some disappointments so far. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for for a casual Big Ten bas- for a casual basketball fan, I think the really cool thing about the Big Ten this year is, for the most part, I mean, any team can beat anybody else. Um, obviously, Rutgers beat Wisconsin without Frank Kaminsky, but. Pretty much one through fourteen, it's it's a dogfight every night. You're going to pretty much be in hostile environments with great crowds. Um, I think Wisconsin is definitely the the best team in the league, pretty much head and shoulders. I don't really think there's much question about that. Um, beyond that, I guess I would say Maryland's the second best team. Um, but you know, like I said, they're playing Ohio State right now. That's that'll be a tough game for them. You know, but then you've got teams like Indiana, Michigan State, Michigan, Iowa. Um, I think that's pretty much more of a second tier. Um, and then I think teams like Nebraska, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess Nebraska, I would have said Minnesota. I, would, I guess for the biggest disappointment, I guess, would be Minnesota. 
um, and Penn State, too, are probably the two. Because Penn State started 12-1. and one. They look great. I mean, DJ Newville has been an all-everything guy for them. Um, and Minnesota had a pretty good uh, non-conference record, too, and they're, they sit at 2-7. and seven. So, I mean, it's been a super exciting uh, start to Big Ten play, and I think the, the second half of it is going to be really exciting to watch, too. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, in terms of in terms of the two teams you were talking about there with Minnesota and Penn State, um, I know I know it's kind of uh, I don't know if it's caught Penn State fans as much uh, by surprise, but I know a lot of Minnesota fans um, were really high on the team coming into Big Ten play, and it's kind of been a, a rough awakening. Um, they actually just went down to Penn State conveniently enough <laughs> last night, but um, yeah, yeah, rough start for them. Um, Moving moving a little bit towards uh towards March here. Um obviously, you know, the bracketology posts are starting to become a little more regular. Um Big Ten, depending on who you talk to, is kind of five or seven ranging right now. Um first off, how how many bids do you think the Big Ten is gonna get? And um when all's said and done on the season, um you can include the postseason if you want or not. How how do you think the Big Ten's gonna be perceived this year? Hmm. That those are two very interesting and very very different questions. Um, first off, I think the five to seven bid range um, is absolutely right. I think that's generally what the Big Ten gets. I don't think that there are four or five you know powerhouse top twenty five teams that kind of jump out the top. I think it's it's going to be more of a rock fight for uh, two through six, two through seven. So I think you could have any one of six or seven teams. Um, I think pretty much that you know, you'll have to finish. Uh, at least ten and eight or eleven and seven in the Big Ten to at least be in consideration. Um, I mean, the teams that I see right now, I would say Ohio State, Maryland, Wisconsin, Indiana. I think if Michigan can win five more games in the Big Ten, I think you have to give them a nod. Um, and then I guess maybe Iowa. Um, I think Nebraska played their way out, um, and I don't really think there's anybody else. Um, in that regard, that that's good enough. I don't. I hope I didn't miss anyone. Um, and then beyond that, and then beyond that, I pretty much see. Um, I don't know. I see a lot of first and second round exit. I see a lot of really good teams, but I just I feel like there's better teams around the country. I think it's. I think this is an especially weak bubble, and I think that the teams that are going to be getting your 10, 11, 12 seeds are going to be weaker profiles in general. But I think that the, the teams you know, that are going to be uh, seeded anywhere from four or five to seven or eight are going to be really, really good still. Um, and I just don't think that the Big Ten – I think that you're going to see a lot of Big Ten teams in that eight, nine, ten range. Um, I think Wisconsin still, if, if Trayvon Jackson comes back, even if he doesn't, I still think that they have a shot to be an elite eight final four team with Kaminsky and Decker and Hayes. I think arguably you have the, the most talented front court in the country, you know, you can say, except for Kentucky – but, um, but I think Wisconsin is so good, and they move the ball so well. Um, so that's pretty much, yeah, I don't really see any other Big Ten teams besides for Wisconsin really making a, a splash, per se, in the in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think you're kind of hard-pressed to get too far out of that, you know, five to seven range, just because uh, it's kind of the consensus. And I think in general, um, you know, some of the bracketology guys are more accurate than others, but in general, they're pretty much all the same and for good reason because they're kind of going by the same measures. <laughs> but um the way I the way I see it is kind of the same as you. Um I think for me right now, I think there are two teams that are absolute locks to the tournament and that's Maryland and Wisconsin. I think they yeah, just I have so they've already done so much this year that I mean they'd have to like lose out to even really think mm-hmm. about knocking them out now, which sounds weird but when you lose one game in non-conference like Wisconsin, I mean, you got a lot of wins. <laughs> but um, right, outside of that, I, outside of that, I don't think there's any surefire, absolute team that's going to get in. I think the strongest one right now for me is Indiana. I know they had that loss to Eastern Washington earlier in the year, but they're actually Eastern Washington is actually a all right team, and they're probably going to make the NCAA tournament themselves. So I think a little bit of the impact of that loss um, disappears. So I think um, as long as they keep playing well at home, um, 
maybe avoid. I, I believe they still play Rutgers. I think in the next week or so they play them. Um, don't lose the Rutgers. <laughs> um, avoid right. avoid the bad losses. And I and I think they're uh, they're a pretty safe bet. I again I hate I hate throwing out percentages, but to me they're like an eighty percent or above at this point. Um, but mo- moving on to them, um, so that's three. The I think outside of that you have three or four teams that are really like hard to gauge right now. Um, that's, as you mentioned, Iowa, Michigan State, Ohio State. I'd say those appear to be the three strongest bids right now. But um, Michigan as well, I think they're starting to get a little chatter. Um, Nebraska has gotten a little chatter, although they just lost to Michigan. And um, the one team that I, I haven't heard anybody talking about but is Illinois, who I think that has a much stronger resume than people realize right now. Um, they, they've lost, you know, um, I believe they lost to Minnesota. Um, they've lost some big 10 games, but overall they haven't lost. They didn't lose any bad non-conference games. Um, they, uh, they've beaten, they beat Maryland. Um, you know, they lost to Michigan, but it was on the road. Um, yeah, they lost to Nebraska on the road. They lost to Minnesota on the road. But I, I think when you factor in that their road losses, their resume isn't too bad. Um, if they can get back a few, uh, especially Ravante Rice, um, I, I think they're a team to watch out for as we as we move ahead. Um, outside outside of that, I I think your you know your your Michigan States and your Ohio States are gradually you know they're going to get a couple big wins and they'll they'll get themselves in there. But yeah, I, I kind of agree in terms of the actual tournament though, um, playing there. I think the Big Ten's going to be kind of up against the wall because most of the teams are, if they're not underdogs, they're going to be, you know, in like the 8-9, you know, those type of games where uh, right. it's kind of 50-50 <laughs> if you're going to advance. Um, hmm. I, I guess spinning off of that, um, if, if you were going to pick one of those, you know, three to four teams or so that are kind of bubblish right now to make a run, who, who would you pick right now out of that group? Out of which group specifically? Uh, kind of the bubbleish teams: the Iowa, Michigan State, um, maybe Michigan, Illinois. Um, who am I missing? Ohio State. Uh, out of that group, who would you see? Who do you think would have the best shot at making a run in March? Hmm. Um. I mean, right now, I would probably say Ohio State and Michigan State. Out of out of that group, um, I think. Michigan State kind of has the pieces. I think Izzo is one of the best coaches in the country, um, and he always finds a way to get his guys um, up and ready to play. And, and they're really talented, and you have guys like Brandon, Brandon Dawson and Travis Trice and, and even guys like Costello. Um, and I just really like the way they move the ball. I was watching them play a little bit earlier against Rutgers, and um, when they sprint it and they run the court, I mean, Dawson tonight, was he made one pass where he threw it you know, 40 feet with his left hand for a bounce pass to Costello, and there aren't too many power forwards in, in America, you know, who can make plays like that. Um, so I think you always have to, to keep Michigan State on your radar. And Ohio State, I mean, they're very talented, and to me they have a guy in D'Angelo Russell who, if if they need D'Angelo Russell one game to score 35 points, D'Angelo Russell has no issue doing that and can do that. The biggest question, though, and I think I honestly believe that D'Angelo Russell will shoot Ohio State out of the game or will win an NCAA tournament game for Ohio State and then declare for the NBA draft. I, I think there's no other way that his college career will end besides for one of those two. I think he will be he, – Ohio State will go as he goes through the tournament. That's that's my opinion. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's true. Um, and I, I kind of have similar reasoning. Um, for me, out of those teams, I, I think you have to pick Ohio State just because um, they out of that group, they definitely have the most talent on their team. Yes. And um, D'Angelo Russell could very well be the best player out of that entire group of teams, um, even including, you know, like Aaron White, Trice, those guys. I think you could make a pretty strong case that Russell could be the very best player out of all of them. Um, and, and considering that, I I think a lot of times, especially if you're talking about these teams that are 10 seeds, uh, you know, 7 seeds, 8 seeds, um, they, they're going to need a guy to just go off, <laughs> especially in that first game. And right. to me, he's the guy, you know, with the most potential. Um, especially, you know, Iowa, they're consistent. Um, you know, 
I, we got to kind of have to see what ha- what's happening with this Aaron White injury. But um, but aside from that, assuming it's nothing significant, um, they they just kind of underwhelm against a lot of teams, which is uh discouraging for for Iowa, who has all the pieces. Um, they just never seem to put it together. Um, even this year, they. They they beat Ohio State conveniently enough, but um, you know they got smashed by Wisconsin. They lost to Purdue all day without uh, White. I I think they're kind of a team that has a, a quasi ceiling, so to speak. But um, out of that group, I think I'd pick Ohio State. Um, but uh, but yeah, mo- moving on a little bit, just um, to kind of get a last uh, a last thought here or two before uh, before Jake joins us to talk uh, about sure. Wisconsin. Um, why don't we why don't we jump into Wisconsin uh, here with you? Um, for, first, what do you make of this team, and do you think they can first off maybe move off that two C line and get into that a one seed? And second, um, do you think they have enough to take down a team like Kentucky in March? Hmm. Wow. Two. So again, two very uh, bold and, and interesting questions, but uh, but I'm definitely happy to answer both. Um, I mean, to me, the one seed line right now, I guess you would you would have to say Kentucky, you'd have to say Virginia, um, maybe Duke. I mean, Duke lost again to Notre Dame last night, so maybe. Um, I mean, and, I mean, you know that Virginia and Kentucky are going to be number one seeds, and like, I, I think it would pretty much take a, a small miracle for them to both be bumped off those lines, um, and I think Gonzaga. Um, I mean, I, I I don't imagine them losing too many more games in the committee. A few years ago when Gonzaga had a pretty similar record, um, mm-hmm. Kelly Olynyk and, and those guys there, they were the number one seed. They didn't play very well. They lost in the second round, but they were the number one seed. Um, I think fraud. those three are, are all <laughs> – those three are all but locked. Um, according to ESPN right now, Arizona is the fourth number one seed. Um, Arizona could lose a few games in conference and very easily knock themselves off that line. The other two seats they have are Kansas, uh, Duke, and Villanova. And, oh, and Wisconsin are the are the four number two seats. Um, so, I mean, it, it, Wisconsin definitely has a shot at taking Arizona's number one seed right now, but I don't know. I think, I think it'll be tough. Um, and then do I think Wisconsin has enough to be able to beat a team like Kentucky? Um, the difference for me personally is I think Wisconsin plays – like a team in Kentucky kind of has a bunch of seven-footers and they grab offensive rebounds and they're long, but they don't really play like a team. And I can very easily see one of these games where, you know, a couple of these freshmen are, are kind of like the D'Angelo Russell thing where they're trying to take too many shots and they're trying to make too many plays. Um, Kentucky's bigs aren't playing great. And Wisconsin just grinds out the shot clock and, you know, gets a shot with, you know, 32 seconds gone on the shot clock. Um, and they're hitting their threes, and Kaminsky has a great game. So, yeah, I think Wisconsin definitely has has a chance to beat Kentucky. I don't know whether they have a shot to beat Virginia. I think Virginia is arguably the best team, you know, right there with Kentucky. Um, so I don't know. But I think either of those matchups in the NCAA tournament would make for an incredible game. Yeah, I, I will definitely agree with that last point. Um, I, I, I really do think Wisconsin can move up into a number one seed. Um <laughs> Do I think they will? I, I I don't think they will, and that has a lot to do with um, – I, I just think the Big Ten um, – I know a lot of people are talking about the Big Ten being down, et cetera, but going again on the road to a lot of these teams, you know, playing some challenging teams at home, I think is going to be tough, especially – I mean, just look at their last four games. At Maryland, home against Michigan State, away at Minnesota, away at Ohio State. Considering Minnesota – although they're down as a rival, that is a very, very tough four-game stretch. And, oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think Wisconsin will probably win three out of those because Wisconsin's a really good team. But sure. I don't think it'd be that surprising to see them drop two of them. Um, mm-hmm. And the thing is, is, you know, you come into the Big Ten tournament then with, you know, beating up a little bit, um, then who knows if, if you're going to win that. But I think even when you look at that, you know, that four-game stretch may be tougher than any four-game stretch Kentucky will face in the SEC outside of maybe the tournament. Um, not to rip the SEC, but I, I think you can definitely argue that um, right there. So I think when, when you sit back and, and think about that, I think it's going to be hard for them to become a number one seed. I do think they 
they have a great shot of being a two seed though. Um, in terms of, you know, beating, you know, your Kentuckys, your Virginias, um, it's going to be really tough. Um, a lot, not to, not to simplify things too much, but a lot's going to be on Kaminsky to make the big plays. I mean, yeah. he's the guy on that team and, uh, We'll see. I mean, Kentucky, that would be a great matchup, uh, as you said. But um, Bo Ryan, I, I would think, would dial something up there. Um, and who knows? We'll see. But uh, but aside from that, uh, Josh, any any last thoughts before you, you take off here? Uh, no. Like I was saying before, I think that the last uh, nine or ten conference games are totally up in the air. I think, like you said, a team like Illinois could make a run. I'm really interested to see how Nebraska and Iowa fare, and obviously I'm watching every Michigan game, so I really hope that they can get uh, five or so more wins and maybe just sneak their way right in. So, But, no, I'm very excited. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, definitely, and thanks for coming on. All right, guys, that was uh, that was Josh Joshua Stern. He is uh, a writer here at, at BT Powerhouse. Um as I mentioned, um, he covers a lot of a lot of Michigan stuff for us, but um, he 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 will jump into other things, especially come March when we we kind of need people to to cover everything. <laughs> but um, yeah, in a in a few minutes here, we're gonna have Jake from uh, Bucky's fifth quarter to talk about uh, Wisconsin. Um, and and before he gets on, uh, one of the one of the big reasons why we wanted to. Uh, have kind of a, a Wisconsin feet flavored uh, podcast here is mainly just because, you know, the, the perception is that they're, they're the top team in the conference. And, uh, you know, it, it, it seems about time to uh, dedicate some serious time here, especially if they're the, the big tens, you know, quote unquote, uh, best hope for a, a final four team or that elusive national title that uh, they've been fighting for so long here. But, um, uh, and and again, just just for uh, our non-Wisconsin fans listening here, um, later in the show, in about 20 minutes or so, um, if you want to skip ahead on your podcast, <laughs> we will be uh, talking with uh, Travis Miller of Hammer and Rails um, about Indiana Purdue down last night. Um, big game. Uh, Purdue came out on top, but uh, a lot of implications around the conference on that one. But uh, looks like Jake is calling in. Uh, Jake, how's everything going? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, why don't you take a second to introduce yourself here? Yeah, how you doing? Um, I'm Jake Kokorowski. I write for Bucky's Fifth Quarter. I'm a writer-editor over at B5Q. Uh, you guys can follow us on Twitter at uh, B5Q. And basically, we talk Badgers football, basketball, hockey, uh, anything Bucky, basically, it's on our plate, and we t- we talk it, we discuss it, especially with obviously National Signing Day coming up. We got a bunch of stuff going on, but uh, now, yeah, uh, we also host our own podcast over uh, on B5Q uh, called the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. That's actually how I got my start uh, at uh, uh, at Bucky's fifth quarter. My co-host and I, uh, Scotty, uh, we call him the Polish Rifle. Uh, we're both Polish Americans. Uh, we're proud of it. Uh, we have a lot of fun with it, so uh, we've had some some great guests on, both national, local, a lot of Badgers, uh, and it's just great talking with you. Uh, and uh, you're a Michigan, you're a Michigan grad, correct? If I'm not mistaken. I am, I am. And uh, speaking of the uh, of uh, Michigan, what what was your reaction to uh, Wisconsin's road win over Michigan last weekend? I mean, it was a tough, it was a tough win. Uh, anytime you go into the crisis center, anytime you go up against a, a team, especially, I mean, you know, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of great emotion right now with Michigan. With uh, You have Jim Harbaugh back, and obviously there's tons, there's a bunch of recruiting battles that everyone's seeing right now between the Wolverines and the Badgers with uh, Jake Pickard and uh, and uh, Titus Booker uh, for the football. Uh, but, you know, any team that uh, sees Wisconsin, you know, number five in the country right now, and you have the fact that with this team, uh, and, and the, the amount of hype and the potential that this team has, which is the Final Four, I'd say it's more. There's more Final Four potential with Trayvon Jackson, who's right now out with a foot injury, up until probably end of February, early March. You're looking at it. I think that's the prognosis to up to six weeks. Uh, but and, you know, any team's going to give them their all. No matter you saw it against Rutgers, you saw that even in the Duke game, 
where Duke shot lights out in that second half. I think it was 70%, if I'm not mistaken, against the Badgers on their home court at the Kohl Center. And Michigan, they played really well. Walton, that three at the end of regulation was out of sight. Uh, and, you know, you have the fact that, I mean, it's uh, every team's going to give Wisconsin their best shot. Uh, and you saw it against Rutgers. And when you have two of your big players down, like Kaminsky and, and, and Jackson for that game, uh, you know, Badgers were up comfortably at halftime. Jackson goes out. Team kind of lost its identity, and, and you didn't see Sam Decker take control of the game in that you know last ten minutes. I don't think he attempted a shot or scored any points at the very least there. Uh, but you know, you go into the Chrysler Center, and obviously the that environment, the the student section close to the close to uh, the court. Uh, you know, it, it, it's good. It's it's also a good chance for a guy like Bronson Koenig, a sophomore, a kid that really you know. Three games starting for Wisconsin. It's a simple fact that he got to go into a high-pressure situation uh, and come through with a win. So it's a good confidence builder. And, you know, Badger fans will take it because, uh, obviously, we remember doing some stuff similar, uh, you know, and I remember uh, you take a lot of Badger fans and media definitely remember, like ourselves, a couple of years ago with Ben Brust draining that three at the end of regulations and it's overtime uh, and, and, and that stuff. So, uh, but no, it was. A, I think it was a good, solid victory for the Badgers. We'll see how they, they take it from here, uh, and I'm really intrigued to see how Bronson Kanick does now replacing Trayvon Jackson. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I was at the game. I got a chance to cover it, and um, crazy environment. Um, definitely one of the best I've seen in Chrysler. Um, obviously, it, it didn't end up going Michigan's way, but um, great game and. Uh, yeah, it it was really loud after that, after Walton's last three in that game there. Um, but uh, t- taking a little step back here, um, we haven't had you on um, on our podcast before, but um, um, why don't why don't we talk about the Big Ten in general first? Um, where, where do you see the conference um, kind of right now? And um, I know most people are seeing Wisconsin as the prohibitive favorite here, but um, who, who do you think could be the biggest challenge to Wisconsin right now? I mean, you take a look at the state of the Big Ten. You have Wisconsin. I mean, this is in the standings right now. Badgers are 18 and two, six and one in conference. Then you have Maryland right behind at six and two. And you look at that; they have that key matchup coming up on the 24th. It's at Maryland, uh, and both those schools are also still fighting for commitment for Diamond Stone, uh, who out of Milwaukee is a you know five-star kid, program changer, and it would be a huge recruit. Grand, you know, Wisconsin's been a huge I mean, they've, they've, you know, they've gone underneath Bo Ryan's system, and they've succeeded, having been under fourth place since his tenure at Wisconsin. But you look at the fact that Ryan uh, has these guys, and he has a great, talented class, uh, you know, right now with the senior leadership, even without Jackson. But when he is in there, him and Kaminsky, you have guys like Decker, uh, who's obviously who stepped up, I think, big in the past three games after that Rutgers loss where He's been more aggressive on the boards. You saw him, he cut his hand recently. Uh, but you take a look at the rest of the Big Ten, and, you know, I think Maryland really does give them, you know, a really, really big shot, I think, in terms of uh, going for the Big Ten. They're obviously only a half game behind. You have even Indiana who, you know, you take a look at that when they're, you know, people like to do, you know, especially being from Wisconsin, you hear a lot of Wisconsin fans. You hear a lot of Marquette fans even talking about a bad-mouthing Tom Crean uh, the way things went down in, in the Milwaukee area. But, I mean, they're sitting 5-3. and three. You have Ohio State who, you know, um, they're 5-3 and three right now. Uh, they're they're playing. But, you know, Michigan's played. Well. You saw, you know, they're 6-3 and three right now. Uh, you know, obviously there's some rough sledding early on. They're 13-8 and eight overall. But, you know, you have to give them credit, you know, credit where credit's due. And they gave the Badgers a heck of a matchup on Saturday night. And uh, but you know you, you can't discount really Michigan State either. Anyone that has Tom Izzo as a head coach, I mean I have up the utmost respect. Uh, and Wisconsin and Michigan State, it's kind of a weird relationship between those two fan bases. Let me just say right off the bat, just because yeah, and some people hate to give Michigan State respect. I love giving Michigan State respect just due to the fact that they've kind of built themselves up. It's sort of like Wisconsin and Michigan State are kind of that, that second tier of you know the almost powerhouses in the Big Ten conference. Uh, but in terms of basketball, you know, I, I would say you look at the, at the top half of that league uh, with Wisconsin down through Michigan State in those standings, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of tough games uh, coming up. And, I mean, you look at what's going on with Wisconsin State. They have Iowa. They're at Iowa uh, early Saturday 
tip off there, but you have Indiana at home. Uh, and then you, you know, you, it's kind of a, because, you know, the next few games, at, you know, before the Maryland game, the month, you know, they had, they're at Nebraska, uh, Illinois, Penn State, Minnesota, kind of towards the bottom of the Big Ten right now. Uh, it's going to help give Canik some experience. But uh, you look at the Big Ten now, I mean, I, I still think I mean, Maryland's going to give them a great shot. Michigan can, can hold on. Uh, you've seen some craziness just in terms of the way uh, teams are playing each other. And the fact that you have how many teams with three losses already, uh, really speaks to the fact that there's, you know, everyone plays each other hard in the Big Ten Conference, both football and basketball. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a great test for Wisconsin. Uh, but you know, I, and I think, I, I do think Maryland really, I think, gives them the the, the toughest uh, challenge on the court right now. Yeah, um, de- definitely. Uh, um, pretty a lot of tough games coming ahead for for the Badgers and pretty much the the whole conference <laughs> in general. Um, but it, specifically, uh, you know, moving moving towards Wisconsin here, um, one one of the the most high pro, profile matchups of Big Ten play um, was when Wisconsin played Iowa. Um, was it last week? Last Tuesday, um, it, it didn't really live up to the hype uh, in the fact that Wisconsin leveled the Hawkeyes um, in Madison. But now they're they're having to go. Um, Travel uh, to Iowa to face the Hawkeyes. Um, there's obviously the whole the whole uh, eye incident. Um, for, first, do you, do you want to talk a little bit about what you thought happened in the the last game and um, kind of what you expect on Saturday um, out of what many are viewing as one of the bigger games this week? Yeah, I mean, you look at it right now. I mean, the big thing with Iowa right now is just the fact that they're, you know, their leading scorer, you know, it's scorer, rebounder, and steals leader, you know, and Aaron White is questionable. Uh, you you look at, uh, you know, Gabriel uh, Olasheni, and he's, you know, he's hurting right now. There's reports by the media that he was, you know, in, in Iowa that he had a boot around, boot on, but it looks like he's hurting. But he's going to plan on playing. Uh, it really depends upon if, I mean, if Aaron White is injured. I would say, uh, obviously, the, the, the scales really tip in Wisconsin's favor when you have your leading scorer out. And, you know, it, it, but there's also a lot of emotion going through that, too, with this team. With Iowa, obviously, you get beat by well, it's 82 to 50 final score. Obviously, it's a beat down in Madtown, let, you know, last week. It, it, you're looking at the fact that it, I'm sure they want to pay back. And Iowa, they always have a, you know, I mean, Fran always has uh, that team, maybe not a couple weeks ago against Wisconsin, but. He'll have this team ready to play, especially on the home court. You have the fact that uh, I really – I think the Badgers, even without Trayvon Jackson, you saw what Bronson Canning's done. And just to give you a little hint of what he's done, you know, and the fact that, you know, since he's been out the past three games that he started, this is a guy that averages right now six points, about six points a game. Uh, the last three, he's had 11 points, 13 points, and 13 points. And But the, the more impressive part of it is he's – He's only had two turnovers in three games. That's a you know seven to two assist to turnover ratio, and he'll need to keep that uh, you know keep that going against the Hawkeyes. And I, I don't know. I, you have to see with this you know the matchups. You have to still have Frank Kaminsky, uh, Frank the Tank, as they know him up here, uh, still play what you know play up to his game. Uh, you'll affect it right now. You know the guy 17 points, over 17 points, over eight rebounds a game. Uh, and I want to see more Sam Decker in terms of the way, you know, being more aggressive like he has been in the past three games uh, since that loss to Rutgers. Uh, but, it, it, you know, I, I really, I mean, the home court always plays well, but I mean, the, I think the big question mark really dealing with the fact of Aaron White before Iowa, can he play? Uh, and if he doesn't, uh, who's going to step up? And, and how is that lineup going to be for Iowa? Are they going to go, you know, if they have a little Shaney, if they don't have a little Shaney, which, I mean, sounds like he wants to play. But what what do you do? Do you, do you uh, you know do you go big with him and Adam Woodbury? And you mentioned that earlier about the the eye gate with the the gouge gate, however you want to say it, uh, the incident there. Uh, you know, it's I mean the Badgers are going to make a good job of just kind of putting the water under a bridge. Oh, they haven't really made just, that much uh, Not to interrupt, but um, just, just for people who haven't who haven't followed the uh, the first Iowa Wisconsin game, there's kind of an issue of Adam Woodbury Iowa Center kind of accused of going for Kaminsky's eye and maybe a couple other players. Um, he kind of apologized for it. It was a uh, Dockage made some comments 
it's kind of just a, a, a weird situation, but, um, sorry to interrupt you there, but, uh, just wanted to throw that in no there. No worries. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah. Sorry about not referencing that earlier myself. I apologize. They, uh, uh, with with the way that it went down, I mean, you take a look. I didn't get to see it live. I saw it post. Uh, yeah, I saw uh, just because of, with uh, personally, I have two twin boys right now. That one of them I'm actually holding while while talking. He's doing a surprisingly great job of just sleeping while I'm talking, which is great. But uh, he, uh, <laughs> uh, you look at the fact that uh, with what happened, and someone put up a vine where they showed back. You know, it was kind of back to back where it looked made it look a lot more obvious. Now whether. You know, Dockage, obviously, uh, the ESPN analyst made a huge deal about it. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, uh, Drew Ham, uh, who writes for Buffy's fifth quarter and also for, for BT, you know, for, for you guys over there, uh, you. One, you know, one of my good buddies, uh, he always makes me laugh, had a, a great article, a tongue-in-cheek article saying, like, you know, the, the you know the nation's most modern monster, just talking and making just a, a great satire about the whole deal. And, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, the way it looked and the way that Woodbury kind of like almost sized up, uh, you saw Kaminsky and how he was putting his hands up and then all of a sudden, bing, poking the eye. And with, you know, uh, the situation with Nigel Hayes, how he did it, it looked more menacing than it did. Obviously, uh, you know, it it is what it is with that. Uh, I think the bigger problem is just dealing with the fact that, you know, the, or the, the media blew it up with the stock itch and then, you know, you have Iowa's head coach exchanging, you know, jabs by media, Dockage on ESPN and then also on his radio show in, in Indianapolis. And then you have, you know, the Twitter war, you know, and, oh, he's out of line. Well, he's out of line, you know. And it, it's just, it just, it got sillier. It turned into a big, you know, almost a mini circus when really, you know, and now, I mean, you think we'll get now, it sounds like they're actually, per media reports, they're actually going to have extra security for Dockage in Iowa City coming up this weekend. And it, 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 to me, it's silly. I find it, I laugh, I laugh a little bit about it just because it's, it's absurd. Uh, and obviously, you know, I was going to play tough no matter what. And, you know, maybe it was frustration. Maybe, you know, he apologized. He said he didn't mean any harm. But, uh, you know, I, the video doesn't lie. But then again, the circus made it so much more than what it really was. <laughs> yeah, it, it it should be a an interesting little uh, undertone there um for what sets up to be a a big uh game. I know for me every week I do a Big 10 game of the week, kind of the the biggest profile game coming up and I picked uh Iowa Wisconsin. Um I think there are a lot of interesting storylines and that is one of them. <laughs> but um yeah, so we kind of talked a little bit about um what Wisconsin's uh, had obviously um a lot of wins this year. They had the Rutgers upset. They lost to Duke. But overall, um, performing as most would expect, um, beat up on Iowa and now heading into Iowa City to face the Hawkeyes. But um, stepping out and kind of kind of going more towards the, the fun part here, um, where, where do you see this team ending up um, in the regular season and then kind of um, moving towards uh, – towards March. Um, I don't, I don't want to jump into uh, where you see them in the tournament yet, but um, where do you see them kind of in the regular season and in terms of seeding um, for the NCAA tournament? Well, I mean, when you look at the seeding of the tournament, uh, obviously, I mean, uh, you, you lose to Duke at, on your home court. Granted, the Duke, it seemed like Duke was on some sort of NBA jam cheat code where they everywhere they shot, it could have been from three-quarters of the court away. They were on fire, so they would have made it. Uh, you saw that, uh, but uh, the loss against Rutgers, you know, it hurts just due to the fact that, uh, you know, Rutgers not necessarily the, the, you know, the best team out there, uh, you know, two and seven in the big 10 right now, 10 and 12 overall. Uh, but, you know, you look at the team, you know, they're right now, I would say, I mean, you look at the fact that this team uh, is number five, I think it was in the AP pool, because the fact that they're a one or a two seed, I'm sure they're going to move up if they continue their winning ways, which, I think with what this team has, you have a, obviously a solid backup or solid point guard, I should say, in, in Koenig right now. And when Trey Jackson comes back, that experience that Koenig is, is getting right now and will for the next month is really going to help this team uh, along with the rotation. Right now the rotation is a little, uh, a little shallow because Koenig was one of the, maybe the you know first six, seven guys in, in there. Uh, and, 
now that he's up in the forefront, you have a guy like Zach Showalter going on, who's actually getting some great minutes and very energetic, very lively. Uh, you'll see him try to – I think he probably leads the nation in, in, in put-back dunks for guys that play in, in under five minutes a game. Uh, but every time it seems like he's going up for a rebound and, and jamming it at home, or at least trying to. Uh, he's got that energy. Uh, but you look at this team, I mean, you have Kaminsky, you know, you have Decker, two guys that can be in, you know, uh, discussions for the NBA draft. Decker does go. Kaminsky's already talked about, you know, they're talking about him being a first-round draft pick, probably mid the late round. Decker's got that talent, too. Uh, Decker, you know, I want him to be more aggressive uh, towards what you've seen in the last couple games. I mean, against, you know, Nebraska and Iowa, he had eight and six rebounds each, uh, which is great for him. Uh, that means he's attacking the rim and being close to there and grabbing down those boards along with the points that he's put up in those contests as well. I really think this team can go far in the tournament. I think with Trayvon Jackson, uh, their Final Four caliber, not to predict what's going to happen in the tournament right now. But, you know, they have that talent. And, you know, everyone, there's high expectations here in Madison for this team. You only lose, you know, from this team, Ben Brust, who, uh, you know, shot the lights out overseas this past weekend from uh, all the Twitter feed. Or, you know, it was, it was this week, actually, not this past weekend. It was actually this week. He shot the lights out of the ball. I think uh, not even in Israel. I think he's playing, he's playing somewhere somewhere overseas right now, and he, he played really well. Uh, but they lost him. And then you return all these, you know, the rest of the starters, you return uh, more experience. And there's there's heavy expectations in Madison right now. And I would say with the way this team is, if they can get past Maryland, uh, and if they can, they have the opportunity to win out their games. Granted, it's hard in the Big Ten season. It, it's it, there's no way. I mean, there's you're old, people that think that they can go through a regular season undefeated are silly. Uh, they have the talent to do so, but not every ball goes their way, not every rebound, not every tip goes uh, the way you want it to. But I really think that this team could really make an impact. Obviously, in the Big Ten, but just in the tournament, I think they can go really far. Uh, like I said, if they, if they just continue seeing Kaminsky uh, and Decker, uh, you know, leading that charge there. But also you have the maturation of Kenning and if you get Trayvon Jackson back, along with a great Nigel Hayes, which I haven't gotten a chance to mention. As, you know, he's, besides being a great personality, just overall a really solid person in terms of uh, rebounding. He's improved his free throw skills now, over 71% compared to last year where that was really a struggle for him, uh, but he's up there amongst the top, you know, the top on the Badgers roster in scoring and also rebounds too. So you know, you have the pieces there, and the only concern I would have is just right now a little bit like uh, uh, as Drew pointed out as well earlier today in his article, a little bit of depth problems. But with that comes experience. Uh, with this injury to Jackson, and uh, they can you know get through that. This team's poised for a deep run. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with just about everything you said. Uh, I, I think it sets up. Um, I, as I mentioned, um, actually before before you were on, uh, I was talking with um, one of our writers, and uh, I, I think things set up very very well for them to be a two seed coming in. Um, I think it is, they do have their work cut out to be a one. Um, and one one of the the last stretches uh, I was talking about, um, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this as well, but. Um, they finish up with Maryland on the road, Michigan State at home, Minnesota on the road, and Ohio State on the road. And I said, considering that Minnesota's arrival on the road, that is a brutal uh, four-game stretch there. Um, I was curious about about your thoughts on that on that closing stretch as well. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, it all leads off with Maryland, and uh, you, you know, it's all about momentum. And you got to the point you said it was, you know, being a two seed. Uh, and you saw sort of what happened with Wisconsin last year, depending on their losing streak. You know, it's going to be their ability to bounce back in this stretch if they do lose a game. At one point last season, they dropped five out of six, really uncharacteristic from this team. For a Bo Ryan-led team, a lot of people were wondering uh, what was going on at that time, and they bounced back, and obviously you saw what happened in the Final Four, or going to the Final Four uh, with that berth and almost going to the National Championship game. But you have, obviously, like you said, you, you know, you have – Guys, you know, you have Maryland, you have Michigan State. Uh, luckily, you know, and, and this is the tough part, that you have Michigan State at home, which is good. But then you have, like I said, a rival in Minnesota. Obviously, they're not playing that well. Uh, they're they're close to the cellar. 
uh, in the Big Ten at two and seven. They're tied for the second worst league uh, you know, record in league play, but always down down there. They are up there, I should say. They they play hard, uh, and, and the way the court's situated, it's a very unique advantage for the home team. Um, but you know, I'd say Minnesota's still a little bit more in a, in a downtrend. But you know, you look at Ohio State. Ohio State right now always, you know, that not always has uh, seemed competitive, and the way that they're playing right now, uh, you it will be a tough stretch. But if they do fall, let's say they do fall to Maryland, the biggest thing for them is going to be, can they just Turn it around. Can they? It's like a quarterback in, in, in football. Hey, you throw an interception. Okay, get back on the field. Nothing happens. You know, you learn from your mistakes. You move on. Uh, you know, and and you go from there. And that's going to be a, the big thing for this team. And they're they're mature enough. Uh, when you have Kaminsky and Decker, uh, and you have even out in Jackson, but even like an Nigel, Nigel Hayes who gives a smooth calm to the team. I, I really think that if they do falter one game or two. Uh, they'll be able to pick themselves back up and lead a charge into the Big Ten Conference, uh, you know, Big Ten uh, Tournament and, and beyond that. Yeah, I um, I think that's a that's an interesting take on uh, kind of rebounding. Obviously, they had that, that rough stretch, as you mentioned, last year. Um, haven't quite as went through it as much this year, just one loss, uh, one bad loss, I should say, against Rutgers. But, um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Going in with a straight line prediction here, um, can can Wisconsin get back to the Final Four? And if they do, um, the sixty-four thousand dollar question here: um, Can they beat Kentucky? <laughs> I mean, right now, I mean, obviously, you look at Kentucky. You know, a lot of the coaches poll and the AP poll both rank. You know, they're top number one. Uh, but you have a good Virginia team too. Uh, you know, led by uh, you know. Uh, a former UW assistant, uh, and also a son of, of legend Dick Bennett, who coached the Badgers. Uh, so there's a lot of ties there uh, from Virginia to Wisconsin. But you look at Kentucky, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough to beat Kentucky at any point uh, just due to the fact that what Calipari does with these kids, with these talents, these uh, McDonald's All-Americans. And, and, and uh, I think the team will be hungry enough going in. Uh, I, I for in terms of predictions, I think they can get to the Final Four. I think it's based off of the loss they had last year and what happened. I really do feel that this team's motivated. You know, if they do get to the tournament, obviously they probably will. Uh, but when they head into there, I think this team's the maturity's there, the drive's there, and they realize how talented and they realize how this, you know, uh, I guess how unique of a chance they have to go to back-to-back Final Fours. You can, I'm sure you could tell based off of what they're, you know, it's not done as, you know, as easily as some people think. Obviously, you know, the power-off programs is obviously a better probability. For Wisconsin, for an opportunity to go to back-to-back Final Fours, uh, I think I think with this maturity of the team, they'd relish the fact that they'd have the opportunity. But then also, uh, if they go up against a, a talented Wildcats, Wildcats team, man, uh, it, yeah, it'd be tough. It'd be tough, but if they can beat Kentucky, if they can beat Kentucky, uh, I, I think last year the, the the pain of the loss, the single loss, uh, in the fashion that it was, I think it would motivate them more. So I think, and uh, but I mean, right now, uh, if it's just, I, I think they can beat them. I'm not being a homer, just saying, hey, this team yeah, has you know has the firepower. Uh, you have even you know a guy like Josh Gasser who, granted, you know was only a half foot away uh, from Harrison when he made that shot last year, but uh, you know he's one of the best defenders uh, in the Big Ten, one of the great defenders uh, in the nation. I, I think he'll learn. I think the team has the the talent and the maturity to do so. But then again, uh, Kentucky is just Kentucky, and. I'm I'm really intrigued to see. I, I hope that matchup comes back off, especially with Polly Stein and others. I, I really hope that they. I, I really hope I see that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and I, I know everybody would be really excited um, to see that matchup. But uh, all right, well, Jake, thanks for calling in, and um, hopefully your uh, your son keeps behaving himself pretty well there. <laughs> No, thanks, thanks. I know that people were joking with me saying, hey, you know, you named Bo and Ryan. Yeah, I could have named Bo and Ryan. I, I didn't get a chance <laughs> to put that through my wife. Uh, I tried Melvin and Gordon. didn't really work out as well. So 
But uh, we went with Logan <laughs> and Samuel, and uh, it's been great. But, no, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully I didn't sound too much, as we say in Polish, like a dupa. Hopefully you guys, uh, you know, it was great talking with you guys, and I uh, love talking with you guys down the road again. No, great, great. And, and thanks again for calling in. And uh, once again, that was uh, Jake from uh, Bucky's Fifth Quarter uh, talking about some Wisconsin. Um, but to close out the podcast here, we have a, a real treat for everyone. With uh, We have Travis Miller from uh, Hammer and Rails. Uh, Travis, can you hear me? Yes, I can. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Pretty good. Uh, I thought for a second there you were talking about Purdue with uh, them naturally being able to beat Kentucky and go to another Final Four and uh, just be able to break through this season and finish strong after last night. And, uh, yeah, I think we can go all the way and just, uh, I mean, we're we're not losing again in 2015. I just I wanted to put the rest <laughs> of the Big Ten on notice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I'll, I'll let everyone know for you. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. Why don't we um, why don't we jump right into it? Obviously, a huge win for Purdue last night. Um, for, first, what happened? Um, it, it seemed like on paper, Indiana was the stronger team coming in, but that did not happen on the court. Um, why don't you take us through uh, your thoughts on on what happened in the game? Uh, well, we knew going in it was really going to be. Uh, it was going to be a battle of who was gonna, whose strengths were going to come through. Indiana, obviously, is a really good shooting team. They've got some excellent guards that can get into the paint. They can score. They can pass, do a little bit of everything, whereas Purdue has, has uh, all the size with Haas and Hammonds. And with Perea out, they were going to have a major advantage in the low block, and it was just a matter of what was going to happen there, whose who strength was going to come to the fore, and Purdue established early on. They were going to work it into Hammonds and Haas. And I think one of the things that paid off is both of them were running the high ball screen very effectively, and uh, that was able to get Vince Edwards some baskets. Rafael Davis was able, was able to get going early on. And then, of course, the biggest uh, surprise, really, the, you know, Bryson Scott coming out of Curtis, uh, I almost said Curtis Painter's doghouse. Yes, Curtis Painter hasn't been there in years. Uh, but out of Coach Painter's doghouse, and really, you have a guy that hasn't scored a single point the entire Big Ten season. He comes off the bench, gives you 11 points, six rebounds, and just stifling in control defense was. Uh, he was the difference. Uh, both he and Basil Smotherman gave us two players that we were able to match Indiana's athleticism. And then defensively, we never let them get going. They didn't hit the shots, the open shots that they did get. And uh, I think after that, the crowd just kind of affected it. And it was an excellent crowd at Mackey Arena. I was up there last night, just uh, probably about as loud as it has been since uh, Etwan Moore's famous 38-point game against Ohio State in 2011. And even Coach Painter said, it's the best home crowd we've had in three or four years. So, combination of all those factors and things just really finally went well for Purdue for over the course of an entire game. Yeah. And, um, and, and for, for our fans around the conference, um, Purdue, Purdue is a little bit more of a, I don't want to say an undercover team, but they're not getting the attention of say a a Wisconsin right now. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how Purdue has progressed this season? Um, Maybe some of the highs, maybe some of the lows and, uh, um, where they stand um, for potentially a, a postseason bid um, after last night's win? Sure. Uh, they started pretty strong. They won their first three games against uh, Honest 33 Cupcakes uh, before going out to Maui. Out in Maui, <laughs> uh, they lost their first game to Kansas State and Bruce Weber. Uh, there, there was some uh, – Pretty high anticipation in that game because of the whole Matt Painter against Bruce Weber thing. Uh, both assistants under Gene Cady. Uh, Painter wants an assistant under Weber. So there was some anticipation in that, and Purdue just did not play well in the first half. It's really the only time that they've tried to go uh, go with more of a 2-3 zone at any time this season, and it was met with pretty disastrous results. They fell behind big. They weren't quite able to come all the way back and uh, ended up being a loss, but they finished strong out in Maui. They handled Missouri pretty easily and then beat a pretty good BYU team in overtime uh, when A.J. Hammond scored on a basket with about five seconds left. Once they come back, they won their NC State game in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. 
looks pretty solid in that one, too. And looks like that's going to be at least a decent win, except for the fact that NC State's now lost three in a row. And things were going well, and then they're playing North Florida. They're not playing well against North Florida, but they're up seven points with three minutes to go at home. Should be, an, oh, you know, a closer game than many expected, but, you know, at that point, that's a win for the Big Ten team, and everything fell completely apart. Uh, they end up losing to North Florida. They beat, I believe it was IPFW and Arkansas State after that, and then just had a three-game swoon where they did not look good at all. They lose at Vanderbilt in a game where they didn't play very well, and Vanderbilt hit a bunch of threes. Then Notre Dame just destroyed them in the second half in the Crossroads Classic, and the bottom was probably the Gardner-Webb game where it was inexplicably tied at halftime despite Purdue. Uh, I believe they gave up like a 10-0 run right before halftime, and then Gardner-Webb was actually ahead by 18 points at one point in the second half before Purdue did cut it to three and had a chance to tie it in the last 10 seconds but weren't able to do so. So that that uh that was the non-conference season, and they get into the conference season, and they're playing pretty well. They had come from behind wins against Michigan and Minnesota. They uh, played Wisconsin pretty well. They were tied at halftime with Maryland, and they had basically a miraculous uh, three-pointer from Kendall Stevens that allows them to beat Penn State in overtime. Uh, the Illinois game is one of those games they feel like they kind of let slip away, and then this, this past week they – managed to knock off Iowa and Indiana both at home, and I kind of think that they're, you know, they're not an NCAA tournament team as of right now because the North Florida and Gardner-Webb losses are preventing that, but I feel like if they were to get to 12-6, and maybe 11-7, and they'd at least have somewhat of a shot of getting there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um. That, that's kind of how how I've perceived it as well. But um, it is interesting to get to get your take on it. Um, in in terms of uh moving back a little bit towards uh last night. Um, again, big win over Indiana. Um, of course, I I do have to ask. Um, because thanks to the Big Ten finally fixing their schedules for now, Purdue and Indiana will play twice this year, at least. Yeah, that's, um, that's the way it should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand that whole we got to rotate the rivalries, but that, that's another podcast. <laughs> but, um, oh, yeah. but Indiana and Purdue, yeah, Indiana and Purdue do play twice this year. Um, for, first, can, can you talk a little bit about what that means for the rivalry, especially for, uh, for fans where they're not from Indiana, they – aren't Indiana or Purdue fans, but just fans around the Big Ten, what what that game means to Purdue and Indiana fans? Oh, I've always thought it's the best basketball rivalry in the conference. Uh, you have some of the newer ones. You know, Michigan, Michigan State's pretty good. Uh, some people try to talk up Michigan and Ohio State for basketball. That's strictly football in my mind. Uh, but Indiana, Purdue, it's always been about basketball and every other sport they face off against. And is uh, is secondary, and that's just the nature of the state. You have two uh, two schools, huge uh, you know, huge following in terms of their programs. They had two classic coaches that made that rivalry what it is with Gene Cady and Bobby Knight over the years. You have them fighting over the same recruits in an already you know passionate state that is the best high school basketball state in the union. Uh, even if they did destroy the high school tournament. But, again, that's me getting on my soapbox there. <laughs> and you see you see kids that are playing against each other since the 6th, 7th, 8th grade, and then they develop high school rivalries, and inevitably one goes to, one goes to Purdue, one goes to Indiana. You look at, uh, in the early 90s, you had Glenn Robinson against Alan Henderson playing for a state championship, and it was pretty much viewed in this state as, well, that's round one since one's going to Purdue and one's <laughs> going to Indiana. So, uh, you know, that's just how it is in this state. We love our basketball. Uh, Indiana and Purdue has always been right up there. It has not been nationally as, as uh, important as it was when I was growing up or anything, but as, just as I saw this week and with the traffic that I had and just kind of the fun that we had going back and forth with the Crimson Quarry guys, it's still important to both schools. It's ridiculously important. And right now, Indiana is just biding their time for the rematch in February. And, you know, a lot of Purdue fans, 
Uh, last night's win erased a lot of uh, frustration, a lot of hurt early in the season, and it's the, well, we're, we're struggling right now. We may not go to the NCAA tournament, but at least we kicked IU's ass one night. <laughs> and, um, yeah, to spin, to spin a little bit off of that, um, obviously you're coming at it from the, from the Purdue's perspective here, but um, how, do you, how do you view that rematch coming up? Is it one of those things where, uh, well, obviously, obviously you want Purdue to win, but um, do, do you think that Purdue has a, has a decent shot to go into Bloomington and pull out the win? I don't know. It's always hard to go into Bloomington unless you're Eastern Washington. But uh, I just set myself up for a Gardner Webb joke. But, <laughs> but it, seriously, though, it is always hard for Purdue to go down there and win. You look at a few years ago when you have Hummel, Moore, and Johnson with Kramer, and Indiana was basically depleted down to just a handful of scholarship guys and some walk-ons playing major minutes yet they played us within three points and had a shot to tie it at the very end. You know you know it's going to be tough. You know that the two teams are going to just battle each other. Indiana's smarting a little bit now because we kind of smacked them around last night, but they're also probably going to have Hunter Perea back, and I think he can make a difference trying to defend Hammonds and Haas and also trying to be able to score on them. And I'll, you know, you're not going to get another night where Indiana is going to shoot that poorly. They can easily have another night like they did against Maryland, where they bomb away from 15, or they bomb away, hit 15 threes, and they end up winning by 16 points. So, I think it's going to be really difficult. I don't think it's impossible. I think Purdue kind of exposed a few things with Haas and Hammonds, but. You talk about the atmosphere that they had at Mackey Arena last night. We're going to be facing the exact same hostile atmosphere down there because they don't like us very much. Uh, they kind of view us as the little brother. We're, you know, if the truth is they have five titles, we don't. And we wish we had five titles. We wish we had one title, for crying out loud. And uh, they kind of like to lord that over us, and they'd love to just rub it back in our face uh, by beating us here in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um spinning spinning a little bit back towards the uh towards Purdue here. Um we talked a little bit about the postseason here. Um if 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 someone had to if you had to answer uh what Purdue has to do to make them a tournament, um aside from the easy answer of just win the Big Ten tournament, um, what what would you say Purdue has to do right now to make the NCAA tournament? I kind of broke it down, and I had another commenter uh, point it out to me. I've said all along, well, since the end of the regular, the non-conference season, they needed to go 12-6 and six to feel anywhere close to secure, mostly because that would get their RPI back up there. They kind of get to that 20-win magical plateau, and I just don't see the committee leaving a team that goes 12-6 and six in the Big Ten out. Uh, that doesn't mean we're automatically in, but that's just kind of the, all right, with it, that's what we're going to need to have a good shot. And as one of my readers broke down, you kind of look at that as an 18-game season. You break it down like a baseball series where each game is three games and you just have to win each series at least two games to one. Well, Purdue won the first one two games to one. They only lost uh, to Wisconsin in their first three and then the second one, they lost two games to one because they lost both Illinois and Maryland. Here they are in the third series, if you will, and they're already up 2 nothing on it with a chance to make up for that series loss, if you will, and beat Northwestern, and they'd be halfway there. They'd be 6-3 and three when they need to go 12-6. and six. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's easy to say. They've got some games that they definitely can win. I mean, they've got Northwestern. They still have to play Rutgers twice. They host Nebraska, who... You know, it hasn't been playing too well of late. So you'd like to think, hey, they can get those four games there, and that's four of the seven that they would need to win. And then you're just looking at, all right, can you split with Ohio State? Can you go on the road and beat Minnesota, who's been playing teams close but just can't quite win a game? Can you reverse the loss you had at Illinois and beat them when they come to Mackey Arena? Can you maybe pull an upset in – Bloomington or East Lansing or something like that. So I think they just kind of have to go one game at a time. They can't think that just because they beat Indiana Wednesday night that they're going to automatically walk into Evanston and walk all over Northwestern. But 
you know, I think they at least have a chance right now. They've done uh, they've done enough to at least give themselves a chance eight games in. It's not like they started one in seven in the Big Ten and they're already out of it. So it's it's not great. It's not a fantastic chance, but you know what? You're still alive, and not a lot of people were thinking this after they lose to friggin' Gardner Webb in North Florida. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and I'd say um, in terms of conference play, they have been one of the relatively surprising teams uh, positively um, pulling off, especially, you know, opening up with Minnesota and Michigan wins, um, especially when those teams seemed uh, pretty solid coming into conference play. But um, but to finish up here, uh, before we let you go, um, in terms of the, the Big Ten, um, you know, you, you talked a little bit about trying to get to a 11 or 12 conference wins. Um, where where do you see Purdue shaping into things here in the Big Ten? I think that they can at least get to 500. And, I, you know, I you obviously want to avoid playing on Wednesday in Chicago because nothing's gonna, nothing good will come out of Wednesday in Chicago uh, with those four teams that have to play that day. Uh, and then I'd like to kind of finish in the upper half, you know, finish about sixth, seventh, eighth, and then, you know, just see what happens when you get to the Big Ten tournament. And, you know, maybe you can do some damage. Maybe they go – 10 and 8, but then they catch fire in Chicago and win a couple of games. Maybe they do get to 11 wins and then they win two, and it's like, all right, how are they, how are they evaluated then? But, uh, you know, I'm kind of seeing a middle-of-the-pack finish. I think that they have, have uh, proven that they can play with anybody. They've already kind of got the hard teams out of the way. They don't have to play Maryland or Wisconsin again. And their toughest road trips are to Indiana and Ohio State. And Indiana... You know, they they did play well against Indiana last night. I don't think they're going to win in Bloomington, but you never know. And Ohio State has had moments where they haven't looked very strong. I mean, they got swept by Iowa, and, well, we beat Iowa. So, you know, I'm hope, I'm still hope, holding out some hope for uh, 12 wins. I kind of am thinking, yeah, about 9 or 10 would be about where I would see them finishing, but that's what I thought even before the season started. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's been uh... – been a kind of up and down year for Purdue so far, but um, obviously a big win, big win last night, and I'm sure they'll uh, be enjoying that out in West Lafayette for uh, at least the foreseeable future. But um, but yeah, Travis, thanks for calling in, and um, we appreciate it, and uh, keep enjoying the win, I guess. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. <laughs> thanks. All right, well, that was uh, Travis Miller. He's over at uh, Hammer and Rails, which is SB Nation's Purdue site. Um, they do great stuff over there. I know he has a couple uh, kind of quasi-Big Ten-related articles as well, um, if you're interested in that. But uh, definitely one of, the one of if not the best Purdue sites out there. But uh, that, that does wrap up the podcast number 17. Um, unfortunately, as I mentioned, we had to do it kind of during a couple – games here especially big ones with uh maryland and ohio state there but um but thanks for everyone who checked us out or checks us out later after the game's concluded um again i'm thomas bendit over at uh bt powerhouse um make sure to check us out tomorrow a lot of great uh a lot of great articles coming up but thanks again and uh we'll see you guys next time